You're listening to The Ram Report, presented by the Commonwealth Times and WBCW Radio. Here are your hosts, Noah Fleischman and Ben Malikoff. It was the Rams and Patriots last night, Ben, as men's basketball hosted George Mason, and they beat them 79-63. to Mike Gilmore was 3-4 for four from 3, Ben, and that's something we haven't really seen from him this season. Yeah, it's not. Mike Gilmore coming off the bench his first year back at VCU. It was really great to see him get into that rhythm and be able to hit those two really essential uh, threes in a row. That was a lot of fun to watch, Noah. I, um, I was just really happy for Mike Gilmore being able to watch him kind of have that success on the court because it, the way he's been able to shoot threes or just shoot all season long has a little bit has been a little bit inconsistent. We've known him for more of a defensive player, the guy who can go up there and grab rebounds, rebounds being a 6'11", but seeing him hit those threes was a good feeling. Yeah, Mike was hit two of those three threes in that 9-0 run. Michael Sims hit the other one, and really 11 points coming off the bench, really something that Gilmore hasn't really done much, you know, after the game, Mike Rhodes said, this is the kind of guy that you want to see have the night like this. Se- season started off, it wasn't really smooth sailing for Mike. He didn't get a lot of playing time, but now he's taking advantage of everything he's getting. Mike last night had 11 minutes of play, 11 points, so that's pretty good. And a big thing we don't see from Mike Gilmore is that seasoned veteran leadership that he brings to the team. You know, he comes off the bench as a fifth-year guy. He's, he's not a starter. But he brings a lot of experience to a very young VCU team. And that's a big reason that Coach Rhodes brought him back onto the roster, uh, coming back to VCU. He has a lot of experience to give these young guys. And he's been teaching a lot to Marcus Santos Silva. You can see the way that Marcus Santos Silva has improved from last year to this year, now with Michael Gilmore's teachings. And then when Gilmore comes off the bench, you know, he kind of shows him what it's all about and, and that veteran leadership on the court as well. But in practices... What you don't see from the VCU team is where Michael Gilmore's leadership really comes into effect. Yeah, and Mike is the only guy that's played in the NCAA tournament on this team. He played in 2016 at Oklahoma City. They fell at Oklahoma in the second round, but, you know, in that game he had 12 points. It was a similar night for him last night, so Mike Gilmore having flashes of his sophomore year. Yeah, a lot of people are comparing to that game again where VCU ended up losing in that in that one. But Michael Gilmore, uh, once again, just a really great game. And the last player from the Shaka Smart era as well, it was probably a good feeling for him to beat his former coach back when VCU played Texas and now hoping to go kind of on a similar run as well. Yeah, and this team is primed to do that. We'll talk about that later here in the podcast. Moving on, VCU defense had a big night against George Mason, holding them the two for 19 from three. And, Ben, this is something we've pretty much seen all year. That's 10.5% from beyond the arc. Yeah, going into this game, we knew it was going to be a defensive matchup. People were saying that since the Gate 10 uh, play has started, George Mason has been the best defense in the conference since the conference play has started. So, to be totally honest with you, Noah, I thought this game would be <clears throat> excuse me, a lot lower of a score. But seeing VCU start to run away with it at the end there really started to surprise me. And I think it was summed up best in the post-game conference when George Mason's head coach said about Otis Livingston saying that he was absolutely gassed at the end there. He's never seen him like that before, that he could not keep up. And that just has a lot to say about VCU's style of play, their fast-paced offense and their fast-paced defense, even more so the defense this year. That really just gassed that whole George Mason team, and and they just could not keep up at the beginning of the second half. It was relatively close going into that first half, and it was getting a little 
I thought that George Mason would have a run every now and then when they took the lead by two a few times in the game, including in the second half. I really thought that George Mason could have started to increase their lead and VCU was going to have to play some catch-up. But VCU did a really good job of staying in there, playing to what they know, and being able to start to run away with it when they found some momentum. Yeah, Livingston played 34 minutes. It was 4-12 from the field, 1-5. of five. From three, he had 10 points, but Jared Reuter led the way for George Mason inside. The big man, the transfer from UVA, he had 15 points, playing 21 minutes, six for six from the field, three for four from the free throw line. So Reuter was really efficient getting those 15 points. Yeah, he was. He was arguably one of the best or the best player on the court for George Mason last night, and he was the guy kind of keeping VCU on their on their toes. Uh, the big man there really got it done with 15 points last night, like you said, but uh just wasn't enough, even though that George Mason had four players uh, in double digits. Yeah, VCU matched that with four guys in double digits as well. Isaac Van had 21 points, playing in 26 minutes. He was 6 for 8 from the field, 3 for 5 from 3. He had a couple of big threes there to get the crowd back into it. 6 or 7 from the free throw line, arguably one of the best nights from him so far this year. Yeah, and it was really great to see that VCU's offense was be able to, to spread out. When Marcus Evans couldn't get it completely done by itself, just having 11 points, Isaac Van stepped up and had 21. And I know going into the season, people thought were, were a little bit iffy to know if Marcus Evans would consistently be that team leader of scoring points and would average the highest amount. But I have to tell you, I'm glad to see that it's not Marcus Evans every night. I'm glad to see that other guys are able to get it done, whether it's Isaac Van, Dariante Jenkins, or now even Marcus Santos Silva even getting into that mix. But I'm really happy to see that it's not just consistently the same highest point scorer every night, that other guys are getting into it and, and you know kind of competing with each other to see who can uh, have a better night each and every each and every game. Yeah, after the game, Ivy said that he thinks it's the deepest team in the A-10 that VCU has. And you know what? As you say, any night can be anyone's night on this team. Gilmore had a great night. IV had a great night. But there's also nights that we see Marcus Santos Silva leading the way as he had in the past two games with 15 and 13. And, you know, any guy on this VCU roster, when they get on the floor, they know that they're playing for their minutes because they know we got 14 guys total on this team and any one of them can play. We saw Keyshawn Curry get in the game for a little bit. He was one of two from the field, but you know what? I think any guy on this team can get the job done. That's exactly right. It's a really good point you bring up of that anyone can come in and replace anyone at any second there. And just kind of going back for a second into Keyshawn Curry, I absolutely love watching Keyshawn Curry play. He's one of my favorite players on this team, and I know we don't see him that often, but Keyshawn Curry, I feel like when he steps on the court, he makes something happen every time. Whether it's a great pass or it's just a great play to get an easy two points, Keyshawn Curry gets it done, and I'm absolutely advocating to see more of him on the court as this VCU A-10 season progresses and hopefully maybe even into tournament play because Keyshawn Curry is a player, and he can he can do it. I, I'm... I'm advocating to see him more off the bench as this season progresses. Yeah, Keyshawn's a guy that's a bit underrated. He was underrated coming out of high school. He's a freshman this year. We had all three freshmen play on the floor. That's a couple games this year we've seen. Keyshawn not getting a lot of playing time so far, but, you know, we're going to get to this part of the season where some guys are going to get tired, but this VCU team, who always just uses the Army, as they like to call it, they play a lot of guys off the bench last night using seven guys off the bench compared to George Mason only using four. And so... That's going to be big down the road when you play teams that only are playing 8 to 9 guys when VCU is playing 10 to 11 every night. Yeah, the def was crazy and it was 
and it was it was helped out by PJ Bird's minutes as well. We can't overlook what PJ Bird did last night. PJ Bird played some great minutes, and and that's not always meaning that he was able to increase the lead for VCU. It was about playing the game, staying within what he knows, uh, playing his role off the bench, not turning the ball over, sticking to fundamentals, and just giving v- uh, Coach Rhodes some good minutes where Marcus Evans could sit and get a breather for a long while while, while P.J. Bird uh, just kind of ran the floor. Yeah, P.J. played 14 minutes. He had two points, both coming from the free throw line. But, you know, Marcus Evans, he played pretty much – he played 26 minutes of play. And, you know, 26, or 26 minutes, you know – you got, he had cramps and still played the 26 minutes, so allowing P.J. to come in and get the job done for those 14 minutes is huge. And even everyone after the game was saying, from the players to Coach Rhodes, they're all saying that P.J. is starting to find out, get the more experience, and that's why Coach Rhodes always just throwing the freshman into the fire because he, he said that's the best way you can learn is just in a game atmosphere. And, you know, P.J. being a freshman point guard, number two behind Marcus Evans, He's really the only true point guard on this team, and if we get in the tournament play and Marcus Evans gets in foul trouble or something, you're going to need some guy that has experience already in these big games and that knows how to really play and run the floor. Yeah, and P.J. Burt, people were a little bit, uh, they they didn't want to see P.J. Burt as often because of his turnover percentage. But last night, P.J. Burt did have two turnovers, but so did Marcus Evans. P.J. Bird played a really great game last night and, and kind of proved to Coach Rhodes and a lot of fans what they haven't totally seen from him before. Coach Rhodes, I think, knows what P.J. Bird can do. He He's seen it in practice before, but he's just been trying and begging to get that done in a game, to try to get that same play that he does that he has in practices or in the offseason or what he did in high school to now translate it into the VCU basketball and just the games and as the season goes forward. P.J. Bird played a really great game last night, and that will probably look better when Coach Rhodes looks to bring him in next game as well. Yeah, and P.J.'s just going to get more confidence after getting 14 minutes. hes They've said this after a couple of games ago, Coach Rhodes said after the game, he said, when you give a freshman 14 minutes, they're going to come in the next day. Any guy on the team, they come in the next day that comes off the bench, and they're like, hey, I'm going to grind to get 16 minutes in the game. It just makes them that more hungry at practice to grind even harder because they know that if they can show it at practice and they can make it translate into the game, Coach Rhodes is going to leave them on the floor longer, giving them more minutes, and they can impact the team a lot more. So... They had a lot of guys on the bench, only two guys on the bench that did not play double-digit minutes, and that's going to be Keyshawn Curry and Torrey Douglas. Curry with three and Douglas with eight, but everyone else playing double-digit minutes, Ben. Yeah, and that's good to see that you're able to give your starters that big of a rest, especially when the game was getting tight and guys were getting really tired. Big minutes from those bench guys as well, and freshmen that we can't look over. We said Keyshawn so far. We talked about PJ. We got to talk about Vince Williams as well, playing 11 minutes. You know, he uh, he didn't have any points, but he had some really great uh, minutes to really get it done on the court and just help out his team. He's been a big guy all year and potentially even the most impressive freshman on this team. I know there's only three of them, but he's been a guy who's been really consistent on the floor for Coach Rhodes, maybe not in the points category, but just playing some good minutes as well and not turning the ball over and making things happen. Yeah, Vince is one of the guys that's first off the bench, and normally on a team you don't see a freshman be one one of your six or seven man off the bench, and you know, he had two rebounds last night, both of them on the defensive end. He had an assist. We'll talk about the assist in a minute, but Vince's guy who was a four-star recruit coming out of Toledo, Ohio, and, you know, he was recruited by all these schools in the A-10. You know, Dayton wanted him, a couple other schools. Bowling Green that we played earlier wanted him. They had a big win over Buffalo. Well, that'll help our tournament resume. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. But Vince is a guy who 
he can play offensively and be stellar and also get back and play defensively. And I think that's what one thing that Coach Rhodes just fell in love with is that this is the kind of guy that can play both sides of the ball. It's not one guy who's just a defensive big man or just an offensive gun. He's just, I don't know, just in between. Yeah, he is. Two-way players play on play equally well on both sides of the court, just like Vince Williams. I'm, I'm super excited to see what he can do because one thing that Coach Rhodes is highlighted for is being able to improve certain aspects of players' games individually. We saw it with Justin Tillman. He was a really great defensive player, and then his senior year, all of a sudden, he started hitting threes. He never did that before in his career. Justin Tillman turned into a great three-point shooter in his senior year. Now Vince Williams, there's, there's tons of improvement that these guys can be made, and Coach Rhodes is looking forward to that as the years to come and even as this season progresses. Vince Williams from defense to offense, P.J. Bird, just ball handling skills. Um, there's so much more to be improved. Marcus Santos Silva is another big one as well. You know, a guy who's thought to be more of a defensive player, just grabbing the rebounds. Now this guy is getting into double-digit points every night. Yeah, and he's been leading the team in points every night for the past couple of games. Last night, not one of those days, but 10 points, a pretty decent night for him. If he would, He'd probably take that any day of the week if you told him to get 10 points, get five boards and two assists. Three fouls, though. He got in foul trouble in the first half. We didn't see him for a lot of that first half. So Corey Douglas, Vince Williams, and a couple other guys had to fill in for him. But, you know, Marcus Santos Silva, I guess, if I could make a pick of, like, who's going to make the biggest difference down the road, it's going to be MSS. Yeah, Marcus Santos Silva is almost the guy that you feel the game plan has to be kind of drawn around because he's the guy that starts out the game usually with a quick layup or a quick rebound and gets things rolling for VCU. Ten points last night. I believe he had eight going into the second half, and I thought it was going to be a lot more just because of his past few games. He's had some career highs recently, so seeing him only score ten points was a little bit surprising to me because he had a really great first half. But Marcus Santos Silva is the guy that gets the ball rolling for VCU almost every night. He's what makes it happen. If he's going, his influence is going to feed off on the other players, and things are going to be start rolling for VCU. Yeah, going back to that bench players for a second. During that 9-0 run, that VCU really put the really put the nail in George Mason. They put them up by nine, and Mason never got back into the game. It was no starters on the floor for VCU. All bench players getting it done. The starters are out the scorers table. They're about we're not about to have a hockey line change coming in for VCU. And you know what? That's just awesome to see that your bench players can get the job done and not have to rely on the starters for everything. Because you know down the road, you're gonna run into some problems where Mark Zeman is gonna need a break. Dariante Jenkins is gonna need a break. Somebody's gonna need a break, and VCU knows they have guys they can put in that role. Michael Sims had a good night, three points. That third three during that 9-0 run he was playing after burying a family member so that's just a lot of heart from him coming out after doing that and just getting the job done for VCU 12 minutes for him he had two rebounds and two steals so he led the team in steals VCU having seven in that havoc defense with Roland yeah, and I look at this roster right here of the guys who played last night, and there's not a single guy that really sticks out to me that I have a problem with seeing get 10-plus minutes a night. They all did their role last night. They all played their part. And a big reason of why we could have those start those starters sit on the bench and have that 9-0 run was it goes back to that veteran leadership that these guys provide. It's not an old team. There's only two seniors on, on the roster, but it's a mix of the sophomores and the juniors that have played with some really great season players in the past and have started to gain this experience from a really great coaching staff and have this experience and are bringing it all together and starting to make things happen. Michael Gilmore, being the oldest guy on the team, 
uh, just hitting those two three-pointers back-to-back, and then Sims getting that three-point three-pointer at the end there. Veteran leadership showing up again and helping VCU come to come off to a really great win. Yeah, really great win for VCU. Moving on to now the team play of last night's game. 21 assists on 26 made baskets, Ben. That's something that Coach Rhodes absolutely loved to see on the stat line because when you have 21 assists on 26 baskets, they're moving the ball around. It's not one guy doing it himself. As leading the way in the assist category last night was Sean Mobley with four. And that's just pretty big for the sophomore. Yeah, it definitely is. Sean Mobley, you know, he hasn't been playing his best lately. Only five points last night. He had a three-pointer last night, which really made me happy to see because I know he's been struggling a little bit. But coming into the season, we saw Sean Mobley's passing ability, the way he's able to dish out the ball, uh, a, a, a little highlights of it freshman year. And I was personally really excited to see Sean Mobley play this year because I thought he was a guy that could help in replacing Johnny Williams and being able to dish out the ball and kind of get those assist numbers every night. Those four assists that he leading the team, really great, all really great plays to just help out his teammates. Five points, four assists. It's not a bad stat line. He did them. He did some things right. I can't totally complain about those numbers. But on the whole team, the ball movement last night was really exceptional. There were some times where I thought to myself during that game, wow, I haven't really seen this a lot from VCU this year, the way that they're kind of passing the ball around the perimeter and making things. They're getting around the George Mason defense, and there's nothing they can do to stop it once VCU was really rolling like that. Yeah, ball movement, it will really help VCU down the line. They know how to move it on the outside. They also know how to go move go inside to outside, and that's how they get those open threes when you go inside the Marcus, and then he can just kick it right out to Dariante or IV. And, you know, and when you give it to a three-point shooter, they're going to get the job done for you. And, you know, when you've got guys that can hit the three ball, it's pretty much lights out from there. Yeah, it astonishes me that VCU's three-point or their three-point percentage is, is so low every night because these are guys that have a serious ability to shoot the three ball in really well. Dariante Jenkins, two for nine last night, and it seems like he should he could be doing double that. He could be doing a lot more, I feel, Dariante Jenkins and Isaac Van. Isaac Van is another guy, three for five last night, had a good shooting night behind the behind the arc. I think that those guys have a serious ability to step up their game and start hitting more threes. I want to see that as we go on this, uh, as we continue the season. Yeah, we've seen this is the most threes that Dariante's taken, I think, in the A-10 play. He's been limiting himself, taking good shot, shot selection, and his numbers in the A-10 play haven't been bad. You know, he's been making three, averaging two to three a night, but some of these nights he's only going taking four shots from three. And if, you, if you're averaging 75% from three in a night, hey, I'll take if you're only shooting four. But something that sometimes hurt VCU in the past, especially that Davidson game on the road, was just trying to force shots. And I don't think we saw anyone trying to just chuck threes up, as Coach Rhodes calls it. He says that, you know, when people start chucking you up, it's just not going to get it done. You're playing and you're just all flustered. And that happened at Davidson. They, VCU was up by 12 in the second half. Davidson came back, made, made it a game, and then VCU all of a sudden just started taking threes. If they went to the basket, Coach Rhodes said after, after that game, he goes, the whole plan was just go to the basket, but apparently, you know, we just didn't execute tonight. But we've seen them when they go to the basket and they get it inside the Marcus Santos Silva or any big man down there, or they just take it to them themselves. When you take the two points, eventually those are going to add up and help you build a run going down the game. That's exactly right. It's not about just chucking up the shots. It is about finding that shot selection with some of your best shooters on the team. Isaac Van, Dariante Jenkins, when those guys are open, they're going to make it. And it's about finding them when they're open. And and last night that happened. We saw all things click 
for VCU. Just the passing. The passing is what helped get it done. The rebounding is another big part of that. But just the ball movement in general, finding those guys when they're open and doing more of that will only lead to better things for VCU. Yeah, ball movement is really going to help VCU down the road. If they can keep going there and using that kind of ball movement, it's just going to be pay great dividends down the road in this NCAA tournament run. If they're going to try to get there, we're going to talk about that later in this podcast. Moving on, there's some funny karma last night. VCU hit a three at one point in the second half. Then there was a foul caught at the same time as the three. And, you know, that reminded me of UVA's game when the Cavaliers hit a deep three to put them up three. But at the same time, there's a foul caught on the floor as they were releasing the three. So they made the three, got two foul shots, made it, and that was a five-point play, really. And that's really what capital, what UVA took and used to really just capitalize on VCU's errors and win that game. So I thought that was pretty funny to see that VCU sort of getting the same call, just going their way. Yeah, and I'm talking about just karma. I know there was a lot of trash talk between how close these schools are. You know, some people want to call it a rivalry. Some people don't want to call it a rivalry between George Mason and and VCU. There was a lot of social media engagement between these two fan bases. So I think um, maybe the karma is just the way that the game played out for VCU in the end there. But that just also might be a little bit of bias. (laughs) Yeah, there might just be a little bit of bias, but you know, you play a Virginia school today, last night, Wednesday, GW. We'll talk about that later in the podcast. What's up? It's Isaac Van, number 23 for the VCU Rams Junior Forward, and you're listening to WVCW Radio. VCU travels to George Washington on Wednesday, Ben, as they'll play the Colonials at 7 o'clock in Last year, they split their series at here at home against GW. VCU won 87-63, but then they traveled to D.C. and fell 80-56. to Yeah, and this game doesn't necessarily stand out as one of the bigger ones, but for VCU, they should be looking at it as a big game because as we get down into just 10 games left into A-10 play here, VCU potentially needs to win every single one of them if they want to continue their at-large bid hopes here to get into the NCAA tournament. This is a big game for them. They're playing George Washington away. They lost to George Washington last year. In a little bit of the same scenario, not as good as a VCU team, obviously, but still it was a very tough and devastating loss. Yeah, that was a game GW was up 45-27 to 27 at the half, and you know, when you let a team get to 45 by halftime, you know you're in for a, a rough night, but this was not a team that's the same VCU team. They had a, it's a pretty much half the team is brand new. They haven't played GW yet. They'll travel there on Wednesday, but Ben... This team this year is, I think, a lot deeper than last year's team. They've got any guy coming off the bench, as we talked about earlier, and I think this could be a great night for VCU as GW's seen some struggles this season. Yeah, GW is a young team. They're they're a young team. They don't have any seniors on the roster, five juniors as well, and I believe three freshmen. Right now, one of their better players, Arnaldo Toro, is injured. So that's been hurting them these past few games because he was a guy that a lot of people were looking forward to watching because of the numbers that he was able to put up. But this is a, George, this is a young George Washington team. And once again, we always say this going into every A-10 game. And it needs to be said going into every A-10 game. Anything can happen on any given night. It, it's just so out there that... You know, no one is really predicted to win. You know, there are better teams. There are worse teams. But VCU going to George Washington, 
I'm not totally convinced just yet that they're able to pull out the win as easy as some people might think that they are. Yeah, this top seven in the A-10, anyone's going to win it. GW toward the bottom, but, you know, Fordham is there as well, and they gave George Mason a run for their money. Mason beating them on a buzzer beater last week. But as Coach Rhodes said at the press conference yesterday, he was like, after you win an A-10 game, great. But that just makes the next one even bigger because the target just gets bigger on your back. VCU sitting in fourth in the conference currently. But another win and maybe a loss from somebody at the top, and VCU's right there at the top of the conference. So there's a long way to go. We're halfway through conference play. Ten or so more games to be played. But, Ben, I mean, this is a VCU team that can make a pretty big run. But first, they got to get through GW. They definitely do. They have to look at it from game by game. George Washington has a notable 8-10 win against St. Joe's where they won 70-56 in Philadelphia. That was a big win for them as well. They lost to Dayton and they lost to Richmond. So those were some tough losses, but they're coming off that Fordham win 79 to 61 in DC. Some big uh, so a big win for this team. They're coming off some hype now after getting that dub. And they're going to be looking to take down kind of the giants of the league as in VCU. VCU, by all means, they came in as a, ranked exactly half half worse, half better than the rest of the 8-10 teams, seven in the, the preseason poll and all that. But still, seeing what they can do this year, they're not necessarily an underdog by any means. George Washington is looking to come in and have the upset at their home stadium. Yeah, and you know, one thing that I thought was funny about being picked seventh in the 8-10 preseason poll these VCU players, it's posted everywhere over across the street at the BDC. Even at the press conference yesterday, somebody asked at the end of the press conference, like asked the players, they were like, so this, you guys were picked seventh or whatever. And they were asking about the 810 standings and whether they're watching the standings. And it was a great way to end it was Mike Gilmore was like, we, hey, we were picked seventh. We're currently sitting in fourth. That We're above everyone's expectations. You know, some of these expectations for being picked seventh was, hey, Mark Sevens, had two Achilles surgeries since last time he played. When's he going to be back? Well, he hasn't missed a game. That's one thing that people haven't really noticed. So I think that this VCU team can make a big run. But one thing that's going to help them is last year when they played GW, they had Yuta Wanatabe. Wanatabe now with the Memphis Grizzlies and Hustle on a two-way contract, which is ironic. Last year, um, Tillman was on the Rams, and now he's with the Hustle. So maybe a teammate with Wanatabe now. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. Those guys were definitely going at it in the two home games um, for each team, respectively. Looking on to this year, just for VCU, it, we, we were saying that 7th um, in the A-10 preseason poll, that should be something to kind of ignite the fire for VCU, and it has been all season long. That's what they've kind of looked at and say, you know, this is what they think of us. This is what we're going to do. And VCU is 4th now after that win again just last night they're fourth so i think people's expectations are high for vcu right now and they still have some expectations to meet there are a lot of expectations to meet people might have even been let down when vcu lost um to rhode island and then when vcu lost to davidson as well people were let down even though that the preseason poll said seventh in the a10 so there's still some expectations to meet for VCU and starts with an away game win at George Washington beginning this last 10-game stretch. So essential for VCU. Yeah, VCU got that win at Duquesne, a pretty 
that was a game that was a back-and-forth battle toward the end. We see pulling out a nice road win. That's something that the Rams are going to try to do in these last 10 games. They need to pick up as many road wins as possible because Coach Rhodes said, he said it all year. If you want to win the league, you need to win your road games. And currently the Rams, they've had some issues with those 8-10 road games. So if they can go in the GW, pull out a win, you know, that just gives you more confidence going in saying, hey, we've won two, our last two road games. We're going to go and play on Saturday in Olean against St. Bonaventure, which that's going to be no easy task as well as Dayton had to run for their money there as well. So, I mean, road games are going to be big. The next two are pretty big for VCU, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, one of the games that I'm just looking forward to and I think is going to be kind of a season-defining moment for VCU is when they go on to play Dayton in Ohio. That is going to be potentially the biggest game of the year for VCU when we get to it. That just has so much on the line for both teams there, not just in the A-10, but where they're going to land in the NCAA tournament. That could secure some fates and break some hearts and decide who's going to go dancing in March. Yeah, we're going to talk about that just in a little bit, Ben, but, you know, Road games are huge for this VCU team. There's not too many left in the schedule, but when they play a road game, they're going to need to pull it out. We know that Ram Nation will be there in full force. We know that GW is in, what, two hours to up 95. Expect some, a lot of fans there. We've seen fans in pretty much any road game they've played this year, whether it's whether it be in Austin, Texas, or just down, just down the road in Charlottesville. VCU fans have been coming out in full force. Yeah, that was such a great uh, sight to see, all the VCU fans in Texas. I I remember being at home watching that game and just seeing all the black and gold mixed in with the orange, and it felt like there was just as much, just as many VCU fans there as there were Texas fans. And after the game, the, the Texas uh, media members were saying that that's the loudest that stadium has been in a long time because of those VCU fans. And they've just been traveling so well with VCU. You can always look behind that VCU bench and spot some black and gold fans. Um whether it be at any stadium in the A-10 or just around the nation. It's really great to see. Even last year in Hawaii, when VCU went to that tournament down uh, over there, there was VCU fans packing the house and, and watching VCU play some of the best teams in the nation. Yeah, when I traveled to go cover VCU, when they went down to Charlottesville and then again to Davidson, UVA, we, VCU was up. Arena silent for the Charlottesville fans, for the UVA fans, excuse me. But you could hear those VCU chants going on. And, you know, all of a sudden, then UVA fans had to start to get into it because, you know, at times, you f- I felt like I was in the Seagull Center. It wasn't as a big of a crowd, not as rowdy of a crowd because, you know, it's not the Seagull Center. Nothing's compared to that, but that's one of the best atmospheres in college basketball. And again, at Davidson, when VC was up by 12, the Wildcat fans were just dead silent. You could hear a pin drop, but when VCU made a basket, half the arena cheered because, you know, that half the arena was black and gold and going down to North Carolina, too. Yeah, I was sitting next to some George Mason media members last night at the game. They were running some George Mason blogs and Twitter, and I asked them if they've ever been to the Siegel Center before, and they said no. And I said, how often does the, the George Mason arena sell out? And they said, you know, it sells out some games, but all, not all the games. And I said, is this the loudest arena you've ever been to? And their answers across the board were yes, right there. The Siegel Center, that was the loudest they've heard in arena, and last night was loud. Let me tell you, last night was so I'm in the loudest. I've heard it in a while as well. Yeah, last night the student section was out in full force. All the student tickets proclaimed, Ben. And really, I just like the atmosphere last night. I don't know what it, what it was. Maybe people knew that G- George Mason was one of the the co-leader of the A-10 at the time, but they knew it was a huge game for VCU and their tournament hopes and how they're going to fare in the A-10 tournament here coming in March. And so that was one of the best atmospheres that I've been in the arena 
maybe the Dayton game could make a run for it when Dayton came to town because it was another one of those Dayton's at the top of the standings. But I think that no matter where VCU goes, half of Richmond follows them and goes with them. So I can't wait for the game at U of R because I know U of R's game is going to be full of black and gold. Yeah, once again, U of R has had that up and down season, and it's early to get into it now, but those are always really close games, and Richmond was able to beat VCU both times last season, and some tough losses for VCU, because VCU was the better team last year, but Richmond was able to pull out those wins, and totally different topic, but those games are always so much fun to watch between those two in-state rivals, and right next to each other, just 20 minutes down the road, probably even less, it's always fun, and that is a very, very big rivalry game to keep our eyes on as we move forward. Yeah, it is a huge rivalry game between these two teams. They'll play twice this year. U of R will come to the Seagull Center, and then VCU will travel over to the Robin Center to play the Spiders. So, I mean, any A-10 game is a big A-10 game. I don't care if you're playing the number one team in the conference or you're playing the number 14 team in the conference because on any given night, any one of these 14 teams can make a run and Really, it's a game of runs in this turn in this league, and you know, whoever's hot, anyone can get hot really. And whoever's hot that night, they're gonna they're gonna pull up the W. That's exactly right, and we just need VCU to go on a roll these last ten games here. You know, I'm not entirely sure on the numbers on how many VCU can afford to lose, but I know that they're on that bubble right now for looking to that at large bid, and it's and it's time to start looking at that at large bid. We're getting we're in February now. You know, it's time to start looking. All right. What can we do to get the best possible seed here? And there were a few times earlier, just a week ago, when VCU was ranked at number 11 seed. And now they're potentially the first one out. They're right there. It's a huge possibility that we don't need to win the A-10 to go back into the tournament this year. And VCU should be looking at it that exact same way. Yeah, diving into that, uh, ESPN, Joe Lenardi released a new bracket yesterday. And he has VCU as the first team out. Off of the con- out of the big dance in his most re- recent projection, but CBS released their most recent one today, and CBS Sports has VCU playing in a Salt Lake City again as the number 11 seed, playing the number 6 Maryland. So go out to the West Coast and play a team that's only a couple hours to the north. I know it doesn't compare very much, but I love it when the Baltimore Oreos play the Washington Nationals. And for me, I'm going to make it seem like UMD and VCU are going to have that same type of matchup if they were to play. That would be such a fun game to watch, in my opinion. I'm hoping for that outcome right there. Because I believe whoever wins that game would go on to play the winner of whoever Radford plays as well. Yeah, it was Radford and Kansas. So those, if you could end up with a VCU-Radford in Salt Lake City, so you're going to go, you could play two Virginia schools and have to go across the country. But you know what? The NCAA loves putting VCU on the West Coast for West Coast for some reason, and hopefully this year they'll play on the East Coast, so more fans decked out in black and gold can make the trip. Yeah, that I'm. I can't wait for for March. Just out of the way, just March Madness in general. Love it. But if that was if that if everything stayed the same, that would be like two amazing games to watch for me. Those are like kind of two dream outcomes games to watch cuz I've had I've wanted VCU to take a take their shots at Radford for a very long time. Yeah, coach Mike Jones over there at Radford used to coach here. He was under Shaka Smart during the Final Four run. Shaka Smart's coaching tree now starting to build their own teams and starting to get really competitive as we saw earlier this year Radford took down Texas and then Texas played VCU also in Austin and VCU we all know what happened there. VCU marched in there, pulled out the one-point win. So, 
Shaka Smart knows how to coach assistant coaches and turn them into head coaches. And can't forget about Jeff Capel at Pitt as well, having a great season. Hopefully, or them look, they're looking to make the tournament as well. So, seems like all these VCU coaches just really great success for all of them. Yeah, VCU coaches really moving on. Mike Rhodes staying here, but you know what? He's getting the job done this season so far. Next up will be talk about the A10 here on the podcast. Hi, uh, it's Marcus Santos Silva, and you're listening to WVCW Radio. Last night in the Atlantic 10, there was five games in progress as Dayton knocked off Duquesne, Rhode Island, took down St. Louis, St. Joe's beat UMass, LaSalle took down U of R, and we know VCU played George Mason. Ben, from these five games, what can this tell you about the A-10 so far halfway through conference play? Well, right now, the good teams are winning. That's what I can see right now at, at, at the very least. And VCU did not get a lot of help last night from the teams that they needed to win. Davidson pulling out another one over St. Bonaventure, like you said, 75-66. And Dayton, Dayton being Duquesne, two teams that VCU has already beaten. But in, in hopes, you're hoping that the better teams are losing to the worst teams so VCU can move up in the standings and just their overall ranking. And right now, that's not really happening, minus the St. Louis downfall. But... Who did St. Louis lose to? Rhode Island, who beat VCU. So really not a lot of help. Rhodey is really just coming along now. They're starting to get into their groove. They beat VCU. Now they beat St. Louis. St. Louis starting to slip up in the A-10 standings. They fall to 5-4 and four in conference play, I believe. St. Joe's beat UMass by two, Ben. And UMass was a team VCU really didn't have a problem with. Yeah, they didn't at all. UMass was a relatively easy win, and, and that's how it, it should have been, and that's all they're hoping for the bottom half of the A-10 to be, not to get really tripped up. Their, their losses have been to really good teams, and what really just makes me mad is just kind of going back into the losses against Rhode Island. I haven't seen VCU since my time here at VCU just being a sophomore at the school. I haven't seen VCU beat Rhode Island yet. They lost to him in the season last year, and then they played him in the uh, A-10 tournament, and they lost to him there. They kicked him out. They got they're eliminated by Rhode Island, and then this year in Rhode Island, they lost to him again. So it's just like it just for me, it's that one team that I so desperately want to see VCU pull a win out against the most. Yeah, VCU hasn't beat Rhode Island since 2016. They haven't beat Rhode Island in Kingston since 2014. So a long drought here for VCU. If they run into Rhode Island in the A-10 tournament, it's going to be a tough game. They ran into them last year in the quarterfinal. VCU is going to try to avoid that this year. They're going to hope somebody takes care of Rhode Island for them because if they have to play Rhodey in the A-10 tournament, they know that they're a dangerous team. They're going to get the best out of them always. And honestly, I want to see that matchup happen. It's not the best for VCU, but I so desperately want to see a VCU win, a Rams win over the opponent Rams. Um, I want to see that happen so badly, and it's and it's going to be a very risky game, but I'm hoping that's kind of what the later rounds of the tournament are going to look like in, in Brooklyn this year. Yeah, this year when VCU played Rhode Island, VCU was up big. Then Rhode Island made a big run, and, you know, the past couple of games, that happened again in Duquesne. VCU started up on a 7 nothing run, then all of a sudden Duquesne's throwing back. So the whole really thing, everything's going to be compared to that Rhode Island game because, you know, when I was watching that game, I was like, please don't be like Rhode Island where you have a big lead and then let them come right back into it like Duquesne did. But VCU managed to fend them off and 
Coach Rhodes after that game called it Coach Road Toughness at Duquesne. So maybe we'll try to see some more Road Toughness coming up against George Washington. But Road Toughness really is a big thing that any A-10 team is going to need when they walk in to an opponent's arena. That's exactly right. And it didn't just happen in Duquesne and Rhode Island. It also happened when VCU played Davidson. They gave up that big lead as well. That was painful to watch. Let me tell you, that was, that was a, a hard that was VCU's toughest loss, in my opinion, just because the way that one played out. Before that, I was saying it was um, it was the UVA game because, or no, you know, I can't decide between UVA and ODU now, but I feel like I wanted to say UVA because they were ranked number one in the nation. But that was a very tough game to watch, and just kind of the definition of A10 basketball we saw right there that everything was going right second half, late second half. Davidson comes right back and is able to finish off VCU. Yeah, going back to that eight, that UVA game, VCU is the only team to have led UVA in the second half. The only team that UVA has played. I don't know if that's then UVA, of course, lost to Duke. But before that, VCU was the only team. And UVA had played some pretty big-time teams. So that's just something to say about this VCU team down the road. But only one team yesterday won on the road. That was LaSalle against the Spiders of Richmond. They won 66-58 to just down the road at the Robin Center, Ben. Yeah, and it says a lot about what VCU can be, and that's about playing to the team that is better than them. And UVA was clearly a really good team going into that game. And VCU was able to match up against them and not let that game go out of hand and, and showed a lot of people around the nation what VCU is all about, even though they lost. Now, saying that, does it go the other way where VCU plays with not as good teams and they lose to them because they're competing with them. They just kind of stay on that competitive level going back and forth. I don't know. Last night we saw VCU was able to run away with it with George Mason, and George Mason has been a good team in the A-10. But then we look at games against um, Duquesne. We look at the games against Rhode Island where VCU is supposed to be that better team, and they compete with them, and they let it go out of hand and lose one. They beat Duquesne. But it says a lot about what the team is and they're just their competitive competitiveness overall. Yeah, this VC team is really competitive. They can hang with pretty much anyone they've played this year this year. And VC is one of the only teams in the country that has led in the second half in every single game they've played. That's good and bad. That's saying, hey, they're competitive, they're great. That's also meaning, hey, you've blown five different leads. Five losses. That means you've blown five leads, you know, down the road in March. That's something that you're really going to have to avoid is blowing a lead in the second half. Yeah, you got to hope that it's going to be fixed. And, and last night's game definitely gives you some hope because we said earlier in the podcast that there were times where George Mason looked like they could have increased that lead to a, to a much larger, larger deficit. And it never really got to that point because VC was able to stay in and compete in and eventually just outplay George Mason. But it was, it was a scary to watch. It was a little bit scary to watch because – there were times where where VCU had had shifts in momentum that George Mason could have easily taken advantage of. Yeah, George Mason could have taken advantage. They had they tied it up at 52 in there in the second half. VCU finally was able to put one away in the second half, which they did. So the A-10 play, it's crazy this season, Ben. Yeah, it's just those runs – there's that 9-0 run that we saw there that was the defining moment of the game. That's all. That was that was it right there. That's all VCU needed, and that was the end of the game, which is pretty crazy to me because how close that game was. If you look at the score at the end of that game being 79-63, to you know, your first thought comes into head. It, 
maybe it wasn't a close game for the whole for for the uh, entirety of it. You know, and that 9-0 run was the defining moment right there. People might miss that just from looking at the score. Yeah, that 9-0 run was really the turning point in the game that Mike Gilmore said after the game was energized the crowd, got everyone back into it, and VCU was able to run away from there. So the A-10, it's a weird conference this year. Anyone can win, anyone can lose on any given night, Ben. But, you know, here on the Ram Report, we just break that down for you all listening out there. That's exactly right. And as this A-10 season gets... Even wackier, we'll be here every step of the way to just kind of analyze what's going on. Yeah, so I'll be at George Washington on Wednesday covering it for the, the CT. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleischman underscore Noah. I'll have updates throughout the game, and we'll have a game recap up posted after that. So thank you for listening to the Ram Report this week. We'll have a new one up next Sunday. Now it's time for you to go watch the Super Bowl against the Rams and the Patriots at 630. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ram Report, sponsored by WVCW Radio and the Commonwealth Times, hosted by Noah Fleischman and Ben Malakoff. Be sure to tune in next week at the exact same time to listen to the second edition of the Ram Report.